0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Balanced Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Rachel Brooks is a fitness and lifestyle enthusiast and entrepreneur. She is the best-selling author of the book, Chasing Perfection, the host of the Confident Woman podcast, and founder of the Confident Woman Collective and I Am Athletics. As a former bodybuilding bikini competitor and champion, Rachel has taken years of fears, failures, setbacks, and extreme loss and created simple yet powerful lessons that help women transform their lives to become their best and most confident selves. As part of her mission, she empowers women to get fit from within by challenging and inspiring them to let go of their limiting beliefs, redefine who they are, and, and step into who they were created to be, the confident woman. Rachel Brooks, it's an honor welcome you to the show. Well, thank
1: you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here.
0: Absolutely. I really love your podcast, and I want to get into your personal story, but I want to get right at the center of everything and ask you, what is your personal definition of confidence? My
1: personal conf- or My personal definition of confidence really is about uh, truly stepping into who you are, like having that firm foundation and faith and trust that, that you are able to overcome and do anything that you put your mind and heart and soul into. And I know that confidence changes for, you know, different people, different situations, but I think just overall having that solid foundation of self, and that could really help, um, you know, propel you into that next direction. Of course, you know, when we look at like faith and trusting, it's also, um, you know, for me, I, you know, obviously self, but yet I have, I've my faith is a huge aspect of it. So God is my creator.
0: Mm. Yeah. I love that. So is confidence something that's evenly distributed to everybody in the same way, or is it something that all of us need to be working on or do more people have more of it or less of it than others?
1: It, It varies for everybody. And to be honest, like even from my own personal experience, I had to be honest, like not much, you know? <laughs> and so it, it was, a you know, a journey into really stepping into my own and, and through, you know, the process of showing up every day and, um, you know, giving it your best and just being grateful for what you have and just, you know, plugging away, doing what you can and you'll start seeing the bricks and foundation unfold as you continue growing And that was something that was new for me. And I said, oh, this must be like the stepping stones of confidence. So, you know, we can get into my story a little bit later, but just kind of that's where the foundation was built upon from actually having what I would call zero confidence to feeling really confident in who I am and who's I am and what my purpose and, and my mission here on this earth is.
0: Hmm. Well, why don't we just dive right in? I would love to hear, you know, you growing up, what, how your life unfolded in a way that made this something that you wanted to um, have more of.
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> we could just jump right in. Cause I, I mean, it's, it's funny because it's like, what, part you want to pick and choose. And so when we look at our lives as a sum, and like, okay, we have all these different angles that we can jump into our story, but, you know, for, I'm a firm believer that for every story, there's a backstory. And I think for all of us, many of our stories start at a very young age. So for me personally, I had struggled for quite some time. I mean, I would just kind of chalk this up as a lifetime of eating disorders, body dysmorphia, self-image, self-esteem, and just overall lack of self-confidence. And it really hindered how I viewed myself, but it also uh, colored how I saw others as well. Because I think, you know, when we look at our our lives, it's a perspective of, or a perception of, you know, the lens of our perception and how we are able to view from what we internally believe. So I believe that I didn't have a lot of what would be qualifications to really feel sound and confident in who I am. And so having those internal struggles and battles just every day colored how I perceived and viewed others as well as just life. So, um, you know, I, at a very young age, I started out, uh, which now I having unraveled everything had found that a lot of it had stemmed from like as early as eight years old with body dysmorphia. Um, I found myself comparing how I physically looked on the outside to others. And I just paled in comparison and felt different and say so like, why, what is wrong? you like, why do I look this way? Why did these other girls look this way? And then, you know, as body dysmorphia starts to just plant that seed, we continue to water it by seeking out the evidence to support the beliefs that we have. So I found this throughout, you know, younger years into, um, you know, your teens, your young adulthood, even into adulthood, that what we seek will find. So constantly comparing myself, and not only just in the body aspect, but was my life as good as others did I measure up to others did I look as you know pretty as others as smart as others did I have the success as others and so I found myself really just in that gap of just struggling to be enough um you know and I think that's really a core foundational um, aspect that many of us struggle with is that we do in the back of our minds no, you know no matter what is it enough and is that enough? measurement, a reflection of our value of self-worth. So that was something that I really struggled with early on in life, um, and carried it forward into different relationships, into different businesses, into different aspects and facets of my life. And just seeing that like come full circle and just really got to a head where it's like, this isn't who and what I want to be. So I set out to do something about it and it led me on to the fitness stage as a competitor back in 2012. After several years of doing every diet, every exercise, everything, you you name it, whatever was out there, the marketing you know, gurus out there, I was their perfect target audience. I was a candidate and I was a sucker at this point that I would just latch on and grasp at anything to get me out of that place that I was in. It was called a really just a dark place. So I I started competing in 2012 because I finally thought then if I had a coach and a system and a way to get me to my goals then I would no longer be that you know person who's constantly struggling and staying afloat and trying to measure up and all the all the stuff that was really just bogging me down. So after I hired my first trainer and I had the diet and I had everything that I thought was going properly um you know, four days before my competition, I didn't know it at the time, but it actually ruptured my disc. Um, And so, yeah, severe pain. Um, And after I competed, it was just, it was just, it was just an awful experience. Um, You know, the overall training, the um, diet, the excessive workouts to the point of just physical and mental, just anguish. And it, I got on stage, and it was just nothing what I thought it would be. I didn't look like the models that I wanted to be. I was just in such severe pain that I was just like, "Get me off the stage! Get me home! I I don't want this anymore." Um, and so after after that experience, I was like, "This is just terrible. I don't I don't I don't even know where to go from here because I felt like that was my last ditch effort." So after being physically incapacitated, I had to have surgery on my back, and that set me out for quite some time. And and I remember the doctors telling me that I would never lift the same way again. And it really discouraged me because of all the things I've tried in my entire life for like the diet and and new uh, exercise aspects. I actually enjoyed lifting weights. I said, Ooh, this was really cool. Cause it was a new found territory because I was always fearful. And I, I was a sucker again, but I was also a sucker for those beliefs and myths that you know, lifting weights, make women bulky and having body dysmorphia is like, this is the last thing I want. I don't want to be bigger or bulkier. I want to be smaller, sexier, leaner, skinnier, all the terms that were out there. Um, and so I was just, I was very apprehensive about even picking up weights until my trainer had told me that that's how these girls look this way on stage. I said, Oh, okay. Well, I haven't tried that. So I guess I will. And anyway, so after the competition, I did enjoy the the strength training aspect of it. Now that that was taken away from me and having this newfound identity that I was a bikini competitor, having that taken away from me, eventually just landed me in this like really dark place. And I just remember thinking there's gotta be a way out. Like I've tried all these things and kept finding myself at the bottom. So how can I become who I want to be, but yet in a way that is healthy and sustainable. I'm tired of these quick fixes. I'm tired of these gimmicks and all these empty promises, but yet I'm seeing people on social media. I'm seeing them in the magazines, like clearly they're people, so they have to exist. So how? And so on that, that driving determination really kept me focused on it's possible. There's hope. There's a way there's something out there that where you are stuck in your life isn't forever and then i took a long hard look and said well what do i really want in my life do i want to compete do i want to do i want this you know image of perfection what is it that i'm looking for so you know having having this downtime allowed me to really get crystal clear on what it is i was actually after and what i really wanted and to the final outcome of what i really wanted was i just wanted to be happy i wanted to find peace i wanted to stop chasing i wanted to find you know, that inner, inner, like harmony of feeling like your life is in alignment to feel loved and to feel accepted and all the things that I was actually after, but yet I thought the body was the way to get it. It was all about, again, our perspective. And so for many of us, when we look, we seek what we, we, we validate based on what we can physically see. We don't really see beyond our external. And so that's why it's hard for us to really look at the shift from the inner being. And instead of looking for the external validation, again, not just from a body perspective, but you know, is it our bank accounts, our job status, our titles, whatever it is, there's some form of external validation that we're after and getting really clear on that and saying, well, that's really not the objective. That's a goal, but what's really the means? And so getting really clear on that. So anyway, it led me back to the stage, but for all the right reasons. And when I came back after my surgery, after having a new coach, a new program, a new platform, a new mindset, a new everything, I took the stage. And when I walked on stage that time, it was a whole different person. And I I share this entire story, you know, and and so much more inside my book, Chasing Perfection, A Journey to Healing Fitness and Self-Love. But coming out of that competition, I had won before I even entered. And it was such a, an incredible feeling to know that I had overcome all those things and was so crystal clear on who I wanted to be that the the, the pathway to get there was where all the winds were. And so standing on stage in 2015 at this point was an entirely new person. And that has been like the, the wind that I was seeking my whole life at that point. And so that was the first stepping stone. I said, wow, if this is what this feels like, imagine what is possible on the other side. And that's where I I kind of use that as like a caveat of like, that's where I reclaim my life. From that moment, when I took the stage, I knew it was beyond the stage. It was so much more to what is to come. And so, you know, fully embracing that journey and that, that the struggles and everything. And so it isn't just the fitness book, to be honest. It's just, we're talking about from like how we can look at things from a from external to internal and how we can use the stage as a metaphor for what else we're chasing in our lives. So having that awareness, I said, wow, these are the other areas that I could also improve upon. Now that I have one brick to lay down, I could lay down another brick and another brick. And I start building this foundation. And this foundation now is has become the lifestyle that I have now created for myself, which I also help so many women do the same because it's not just, again, the fitness, the health, or even the physical body. It's everything all combined. It's so now creating a healthy and balanced lifestyle for myself. It's like, what else is possible? And so we see this, see the changes trickle into other areas of our lives. And this it becomes like, it's so fulfilling. You've created the life that you love instead of just trying to, you know, get the quick fixes and band-aids on things that we haven't really addressed in our entire lives. So this experience had allowed me to really uncover the roots of how I even, you know, body dysmorphia had come up, why the eating disorders, why the low self-esteem, why the body image, um, you know, struggles and all of that. And it just brought more clarity and more confidence and more, you know, showing up more consistently throughout the entire journey so this is something that I, I love just sharing and talking about, but we, again, we can see it from different perspectives as well. So that's a, a piece of my story. It's not all of it, but yes, that's kind of how it got to where I am
0: today. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing that story. it's it's an amazing one. and I just think it's a testament to how difficult it seems to do that inner work. You will do, all kinds of crazy external somersaults to avoid looking in yourself and doing that kind of deep work, even though that's the only place where you can find it. It's it's so interesting, you know, being in this industry for a while and you see people do fitness competitions. And if they're not aligned with the right reason to be able to do them, you you know what's coming. It's going to be a really disappointing event. The after effects are going to be generally not very great, and and the cycle kind of continues until people just totally break down. They never find what they're seeking where, what they were seeking was there all along. It was inside.
1: Exactly. And that's why, you know, I've now like, you know, taken everything that I've, I've overcome and just learned through this, you know, I, I don't look at anything in my life as like, you know, this happened to me. I look at it now as that it happened for me because everything, all the, the good, the bad, the ugly, those are all lessons and experiences. And just to me, like I look at it as blessings right now, because I wouldn't be where I'm at now on the other side, able to give back and help other women do the same. So now it gives me a whole different perspective to look at things now from a lens of, you know, compassion, empathy, and just sitting with these women and knowing that their hardships and these are just real struggles that we encounter in different facets of our lives. So part of it, you know, is really finding the right support to have that community to dig a little bit deeper and to hold that space and just be available to like shine light in those dark corners of our lives. And even though they're dark and scary at times, but they're so necessary to face because how do you overcome something if we just ignore it? It's never gone. It's still there. It's just getting tucked further and further and further into, you know, our, our, Closets, you know, or whatever we want to call it, like the baggage that we carry throughout our lives. So it's so important to unpack that and neatly, like carefully put it back in a place that you get to choose if you want to keep it or if you want to discard it. So, you know, having that, um, you know, that awareness now is again how I help women now face, you know, approach fitness from a, a different perspective. It's not about the body. I go deeper in there and that's why my program Fit From Within was just one of the signature programs in the Confident Woman Collective. We do that. We flip it on its head. We go deep into, you know, well, first of all, when we think of fitness, we think of like diet and nutrition but the fit from within program really is meant to address your mental emotional and spiritual being while the physical then becomes a byproduct of how fit you are within and that is so important because we can be you know the most lean and, and jacked person out there but yet we could be completely broken and damaged and so hurt inside that we don't see what's really going on and we we only look at people from the outside and we say oh well they got it all together They got like the perfect body, the perfect life, the perfect, you know, spouse, whatever. But yet you have no idea what's going on inside that individual. They may be hurting so bad and so, you know, struggling just to stay afloat, but because the outside, they look picture perfect. Mm. So shifting all that had really just, I was like, wow, yeah. We don't have it all together. And anyone who says they do they're, they're, they're lying to themselves. So, um, you know, just really looking at it from that perspective and just doing the inner work again. So your physical then is just the machine. Your body is that machine that carries out your purpose. And that's, um, you know, when, when I work with the women that we really get deep into that so that these women come out, not only finding a place of, of happiness and peace within, but they also come out really living life. With freedom, passion, and purpose. And that's really where that's we shift, we flip things on on his head, you know, like shifting again perspective of how we view our struggling. Because when we're so focused on ourselves, we lose sight of what really is, is important in our lives. And that is helping and serving others and giving that away, like being of service to others. So, you know, I I had I had to overcome so much of this. And now looking back at all the lessons, it's like, When I was so focused on myself, that's where all the pain was coming. I was, I I needed to look a certain way. I needed to be a certain way. I needed to have certain things. Like all the comparison had pulled me out of uniquely who and what I am and what I'm here for.
0: Mm. Wow. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like we're all just kind of on the bow of the Titanic, like slipping into the ocean, (laughs) taking selfies, being like, yo, the band's still playing. It's all good. Like we're cool. Um, yeah, that's amazing. I love that you mentioned service and I think that's so important. I I wonder what you think about this. Do you you find that it's more difficult to offer support to others than it is to ask for help for ourselves?
1: Asking for help. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge. Um, I think when we, when we look at it as like asking for help, it's, it's almost a ding on our ego like there's something wrong with us like why shouldn't ask for help i should be able to do this on my own like i'm resourceful i'm i'm in control i'm you know i'm smart i'm this whatever you want to tell yourself but asking for help it was one of the biggest things that um you know the biggest obstacle i think at that point standing in my way because like i said i was trying to do everything on my own and everything i tried to do on my own i failed so i was like okay well what's one thing i haven't tried Hmm, asking for help, <laughs> hiring a coach, hiring a mentor, like finding the right sources, doing some research on my own, asking questions, um, you know, anything and everything at that point, I was just drawn to because I had run out of my own esteem. Like there was nothing left in me. I didn't know how to do it. So I gotta try something different. So yeah, I, I think definitely asking for help was um, it's more of a challenge than a being of service. Cause I think when we look at it from being of service. There also might be an underlying uh, condition where it's like I'm being of service so that I can get X, Y, and Z. Whereas asking for help, it, it works. It's a two way street. You know, you're you're asking, you're being open, and you're you're receiving. So you're giving and you're receiving both ways. Um, so I think yeah, we have in that right mindset to kind of look at two things objectively and realize okay, one is is you know am I being of service? Unconditionally, or am I doing this to get something in return versus asking for help? It works both ways.
0: Mm, I love that. You mentioned working with your women in ways, you know, spiritual ways and mental ways and emotional ways. What are some practical ways that you actually do that?
1: So what, during like an initial, uh, you know, discovery call or consult, um, we really just get, get clear on what that individual wants, like really just helping them paint that vision and get really clear, on what is it that they want, but, you know, not, not necessarily just like a few feet in front of you, but the long, big, big dream, the long-term goal, and just kind of bring in the clarity now Is to like, okay, well, let's talk about where we're at right now. And then, so you know, finding what is the best approach to strategize and help bridge that gap from where they're currently at to where they want to be. And then developing a plan that really suits that individual without feeling like we need to shake things up and disrupt their entire lifestyle, because when things get too out of our comfort, we shut down. So there are the small tweaks and changes, but what I love most about working with these women is that Hearing them say, "So you mean I don't have to give something up? I don't have to do, you know, more of these things?" And you know, just feeling like women we take on more, right? And that be- leads to overwhelm, over you know, feeling overworked, exhaustion, burnout, all the things that we women just, and and of course men do too. But you know, I work primarily with women, and you know, part of you know in that whole discovery call aspect, it's uh, they say, "Wow, you mean I could do a lot less." to get so much more. I'm like, exactly. So I want these women to to walk away knowing that they can have more, more quality, more happiness, more peace, more joy, more uh, love, more acceptance, more of whatever they're craving without having to sacrifice everything that they've always been used to.
0: Mm, yeah. And I think such a big part of that is that, like you said, creating space, getting less, get, getting rid of mm-hmm. things, getting whether they're physical objects or, you know, mental constructs of what we think we should be, um, mm-hmm. or those emotions that are so deeply seated, being able to feel them and let them release. Tell, tell us a little bit about um, self-talk. It, it, it's so interesting to me that like we, we talk to ourselves in a way that we would never talk to another human being ever. And it's, it's right. quite shocking once you start to realize and address that, like, I am not very nice to myself.
1: No, we are our own worst enemies. We are the meanest people to ourselves. And, you know, when, when we're inside our head, we will have, you know, conversations and arguments with ourselves because it's like, we know it's lying The the inner self-talk, like our inner critic, we know it's lying to us, but yet somehow we believe it. It's, it, and it's weird because it's like, logically, we know it's a lie, but yet when we get in that space, we're just like, oh, you, you know what? They're probably right. Like, let's go f- in our Rolodex of memories and files. Let's find proof to support that. And there we are, right? So now we're like looking out in the world to validate and support the lies that that inner self-talk has been telling us. And so it's not even just our self-talk, but we'll see this pattern throughout, you know, whether somebody says it to you. Or a belief that uh you know rings true to you, a story, an excuse, whatever it may be. It's not always just about the self, but yet look at our society, our family, friends, peers, teachers, whoever it is, we allow that information in, but it's up to us to really filter it. But somehow we're able to filter out the noise of others, but yet tune in to the noise of self. So it's part of you know what the the process of working with me as well, we start to discover some of those the the negative self-talk and start really flipping it on its head. Start flipping the script of what the narrative is in our mind and start seeking the truth now to replace that. So that's part of the process, like letting go, redefining and creating your own story. So in that process, again, identifying the, the lies, the excuses, beliefs, the stories we tell ourselves reframing them into, uh, ways that are more conducive and encouraging and empowering and start, you know, finding the evidence, whether we speak it, we seek it, or, you know, we're, we're watching it in some capacity to now become that supporting evidence to now fill our truth bucket because we're, we've been carting around, you know, buckets of lies. So we got to combat that, right? So we flip it and we start filling it again. I kind of look at it as like, you know, wiping your iOS, right? If you have an Apple or Mac or something, you're always having an update. So you wiped it completely clean, that slate, your blueprint, whatever you want to call it. And you're now reprogramming your your mindset, your beliefs, and how that shapes into your emotions, how that shapes into your behaviors and your habits and just the action taking aspect of it. So again, we become what we believe, but if we're going to be victims of our own negative self-talk, well, we got to do something about it now because we're continuing down that path. And if that path isn't serving you, you got to do something about it now. So, yeah, I love, I love talking, you know, about the whole, the, the whole process of it. And I love that you brought that up because when we're in our head, we're dead, right? Because we're killing ourselves with these lies. We're killing ourselves with all the BS that we're telling ourselves every single day. But if you actually spoke that out loud, it sounds completely different. But if you spoke that out loud to a best friend, a loved one, whoever it might be, oh, (laughs) you wouldn't even dare. but somehow it's okay that we accept it for ourselves. That's that it's just, it's just crazy to think that we do this, but yet we know it and we still do it. It's weird, (laughs) but
0: yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And and it's so funny because I I'm, so I, one of my favorite podcasts is the Peter, uh, Peter Atia the drive I listen to it every week it's great and he he recently talked about how you know he's got very high performing activities in his life like racing an f1 simulator or archery and if he's not practicing well he'll get into that pattern of like you suck you dumbass like mm-hmm. you can't figure this out and he was told to kind of like externalize it a little bit and say like l- l- let me pretend that this is my wife or my children and how-, how would I change my talk if I were talking to them and you would be way more more kind and more gentle but all of that stuff does start with awareness. Like most people, Mm -hmm. I don't even think they realize they can wipe their computer clean. Instead, they just have all these, you know, software programs running in the background that were downloaded by maybe their parents. Maybe it was like you at a young age, the kids around you, maybe teachers, like those belief systems are just that they're, they're made out of nothing. And we, we hold on to them and cling to them. So our ego has something to anchor to. But if we can be aware of that as a starting point, then we can start to deconstruct that. Like you said, like wipe the computer clean. I think that's a great analogy.
1: yeah, absolutely. and and it's really again, because um you know, wiping that clean, we have that reset button. It's really up to us now having that internal awareness to be like, hey, you know what? this is wrong. this i don't I don't want to be this person anymore. I don't even want this life anymore. i don't I don't even want what I thought I wanted. And it's okay to to acknowledge that. But then, you know you got to get clear on what you do want and maybe sometimes finding what you do want, might be hard because we've been in that, that negative space for so long, but also a good place to start there is like, get really clear on what you know that you do not want. And then look at the opposite of it. What is possible if you don't want that, what's the alternative. Um, but yeah, I do like that. You had mentioned, you know, getting in your head with, with all, all the things that have been told to us, but we, the more we, we hold on to that, we're also holding on to it because it's a piece of who we are. It becomes our identity and we will do whatever it takes to hold on to who we are. Right. It's, it's, if somebody tells you you're something else, you're like, no, 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 that, that, that's not true. And you'll justify it. But yet the same is true. If we're holding on to a negative belief or, you know, a story about our past or whatever it is that we're holding on to a piece of us has to let go. And in doing so we lose a piece of our identity, But the cool thing is you're replacing it with who you want to become so i think you know looking at these these shifts and these changes one of the hardest parts is you know when we're when we have an idea of who we are we hold we hold so strongly to the identity that we will ensure that our actions and our beliefs align with who we believe we are so if we believe we're stupid, we're worthless, we're dumb, we're just, you know, too old, too young, whatever these beliefs are, we will find every evidence to support and we will keep that in our little bucket to say and this is why I'm too old. This is why I'm too, you know, young. I'm too dumb, I'm too whatever. But we're we're you know what I mean? It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy here. Yeah. It's like but all we're doing is self-sabotaging. We're we're inflicting self-harm, self-abuse. And we know we wouldn't tolerate that from any other person out there. So why, why is it okay that we do it for ourselves? Mm. And so having like that, you know, the start of this process, even in my own journey, I was like, huh, good question. And it's like, but I asked it myself and I answered it and it's kind of weird, right? (laughs) We're having this (laughs) conversation with ourselves and it's like, but we have to have these honest conversations. We can't just, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. To our, to our own inner dialogue. We have to challenge those and fight back and re, like, reword the questions or answer the questions with honesty and be like, hey, you know what? I'm not dumb. Stop telling me I'm dumb. Look at the supporting evidence now. You know, I've created multiple businesses. I help, you know, so many women. Like if I was really dumb, would I be able to achieve all these things in my life? Nope. Okay, so that goes in the lie bucket. And now we start filling that with evidence of, of proof. And that's the truth. So you find your truth in, in the whole journey of self-discovery.
0: Yeah. Wow. I love that. You already mentioned the difference in genders and it's something that, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think um, some men would experience this. I, I think it's a lot more pervasive with women. And I also see it tied together with perfectionism, which just seems mm-hmm. like the most <laughs> lethal combination of, of two things <laughs> that you can have as part of your personality. I, how do you deal with perfectionism? Uh, yeah, (laughs) Um, bad. (laughs) it's
1: (laughs) no, I mean, having that awareness is really, really keen because it's like, again, I catch myself in these things. And so so again, some of them are just natural habits and, and some of them might still serve you there, there, you know, perfectionism isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, there's, there's ways where perfectionism can really benefit you. And it's about being, setting yourself up as different. Like for example, um, I pride myself that I'm I'm very, you know, attention to detail because the details and the intricacies of whatever I'm creating and developing, whether it's, a, you know, a part of one of the, the products in my apparel line or the details into, you know, my journals or my books, or even just like the intros to our podcast, you know, like something that would totally be a miss, but it's something to me that makes it stand out, that gives it a little bit of a difference, and allows me to feel like that's the personal touch that I put on certain things. And you know, some people see it, some people don't. But I love that that's a that's a trait of mine, and I'm proud of it. But then there's other areas, of, you know, like perfectionism can really hold you back. Where it's like you have this image of of chasing perfection, like that's where the title had come from because I didn't realize I was actually chasing it. I didn't even know that I was, that that was a thing until I did a control fine on my manuscript. And I was like, apparently that's the most popular word in my entire manuscript. So it does make sense. So, you know what I mean? Like having that disconnect of not even realizing it, but yeah, I mean, we see perfectionism um, show up in procrastination. It shows up in our exhaustion and burnout It shows up in, you know, ways of imposter syndrome. So we're seeing it in different ways, but I think, you know, it's, it's again, not necessarily always a bad thing, but I think it's a bad thing when it's not managed and not brought into light. So awareness, again, you know, a couple of my favorite things, self-awareness and gratitude, life changer, just like that's a, if you can, what are your two biggest tips? Self-awareness and be grateful. You gotta be grateful for everything. Um, But Anyway, it was a little bit of a side tangent, but having that perfectionism allows you to now see things from a different perspective. Again, you're able to wheel pull things in and say, hey, you know what? I'm getting into that place. I'm now aware of it. Let's pull back before I go crashing into the wall from burnout and exhaustion. And now I'm down. So having um, the tools and just kind of self-management and self-discipline and self-control allows you to really pull back. When needed, but also allows you to, you know, move forward at a pace that, you know, is not going to lead you to the alternative. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we're going to see this in different aspects. And when, you know, we look at like perfectionism overall, the, the word perfect is just such an illusion. It has a different meaning to, you know, everybody. Um, but I think just getting really clear on what it is you, you ultimately want and desire and just be, um, you know, having a strong, compelling intention and a why as to why that matters to you.
0: Okay, great. This is personal. (laughs) You, You teed me up perfect for this. In the last few weeks, I have discovered for sure that I have imposter syndrome. Big time. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that about myself. I've kind of discovered it along the way. We're talking about perfectionism. And you mentioned, um, the E word that I can never figure out (laughs) and that's enough. And so Mm -hmm. I would love to know for you, like being a driven person, being an entrepreneur, being somebody who wants to go out into the world and have, you know, success, whatever that definition is for you personally, but also deciding like, when, when is enough? When do we reach the time that that I have given enough of myself, I've I've done the work for the day, and I'm going to set this aside and call it good. Like, when, how do you know you reach that?
1: You know, it's a great question because I don't I don't think that there's a right answer. I think it really depends on that individual and what the goals are. Um, there are many days where I you know I have to close my laptop. It's like midnight. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been at it all day long. Like, when is enough enough? But then there's days where it's just like. I allow myself, okay, here are the top three things I want to do today. They all might take me like five minutes, but it might take me a while to do the transition to get into certain things because procrastination is, you know, can creep up. There's, you know, the over-perfecting it could creep up. And so when you look at it, like a five-minute task could probably take a couple hours. So again, allowing yourself that, that space and allowing yourself the, um, giving yourself that grace to know that you're going to mess up, but yet your idea of what is perfect or enough could be somebody else's like just standard of excellence. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you whipped this out in like two hours is what have taken me like 10, 10 hours or 10 days. So, you know, it's going to vary for everybody's, but it's also what we believe is enough. Mm-hmm. So again, it's going to vary for, for every individual, but I think once you feel like you've reached the point where, okay, this is the best I can give it like this, I know was all of me. And I feel really confident and really good. And I'm at a good place that I can release whatever's out there, like put it out in the world or, you know, whatever that applies to you in your situation, then you say, okay, I felt really good about it. That was enough. That was enough for today. Mm. And just kind of being at that, that closing space. But again, it's going to vary based on the day, based on the task, based on sometimes or even our moods, right? So it's, it, I don't, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer for that, to be
0: honest. Cause Rachel. I, I mean,
1: I personally still struggle with it too, but yes, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I wanted the answer. Damn it, Rachel, <laughs>
1: <laughs> whatever, you know, in your heart and soul is just like, you know what? We're good. And so that you, you have to be at peace with them and be like, okay. And if it's not good, if it's not good enough, it's not necessarily a reflection of you, but also go back to it. Maybe the next day and be like, what would I have done differently? What could I have, you know, changed or done that could make it a little bit better or tweak it here and there? And if you come up with no answers and it's like, that's enough. Mm. And then maybe even getting that feedback, but sometimes, you know, even as a perfectionist getting too much of the feedback can really ding on, uh, you know, we let that in and we're like, oh, then it's not enough for 20 different people. So I don't even know where to go, yeah. but as long as it's enough for you and you feel like you're of service to those individuals with whatever you're putting out and you feel like that that's a good place release it just Mm. let it go.
0: I love that. Wow. Very well explained. I've also heard you talk about this in the past, which has really honestly helped me quite a bit. So we started our business during the pandemic after we got laid off by the company that we were working for. And for the first time we became entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. I've always had the same self-talk. Like I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm a company man. I, you know, work for the man, whatever. Um, and, and we had this interesting new kind of dilemma where we started to find ourselves, um, thinking about our resources a little bit differently. And like I said, I've heard you talk about this and I really love it. Um, Time versus money and the exchange between the two. And I had a day recently where for whatever reason, every single client I had booked on that day had to cancel for some reason or another. And I had... And a, a day where I was going to earn zero dollars. It was like a Tuesday. So like a working day where I should be earning money and I'm not. And so mm-hmm. um, how do you think about the exchange of time versus money? And how would you handle a situation like that where events out of your control mean you're not making the money you think you should on that day?
1: That's a good question because I think again it it all comes down to what the intention is like it what is what is the priority at that time is it to make money or to you know uh, look preserve your time so like for me I I I value time over money it's just you know because I think you know when we're always at the grind grinding 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 because it's like in grain, you think like oh if you're an entrepreneur and you're only working a few hours a day you're not grinding it's not enough right okay, it goes back to the to the conversation we just had but you know I, for me I was just asked this question recently, well, how do you feel when plans get canceled or things change? And I'm like, I love it. Like, I'll be honest. I had, I had a, I had a call right before ours and, uh, five minutes before our, our appointment, they had canceled. I said, sweet. I got an extra hour. I just love, like, I, I don't give myself enough time. Um, you know, and that's like, for me, my own self-care. So having that, like those pauses and those downtimes sometimes during the day of a jam packed schedule. Is that that's the blessing? Like, oh, okay, I may not have made money that hour, but look at how much lighter and more, you know, free I feel because I could do something for myself. Maybe I can go grab a bite to eat, maybe go for a walk, or maybe even take a nap, whatever it is, whatever that you know, your situation is going to change. But I'd rather have that than constantly feeling like you're grinding all day long. You're so burned out and you make a few bucks or whatever it is. You know, money, money is also the exchange of energy. So there's money, energy, and there's time, energy. And I don't, I think that money will always be there, but our time, our time is limited. We don't know when it's going to be our last day. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but there's always an opportunity every single day to, you know, exchange time for energy and money. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's going to vary, but like, you know, kind of going back to the question you had asked, I think just taking that situation say, you know what, this was the last thing. Like what, what did what was possible that wouldn't have been made possible if I had all these appointments? What did I do with my time today? What, how could I have maybe done something different with it? And so challenge those questions to see the good in the situations. And even though it's not always about the money, but what else came from it? There was a reward at some point. We have to find it, right? Mm. So it's not always the money, but I think we're so ingrained that, you know, money has to be the reward for our time but it's not.
0: Yeah. Wow. That was so well explained. It's like, nobody told us that, (laughs) right? Nobody told us that we were always uh, the grind is perfect world. Like working 50, 60 hours a week. No, I mean all the time, every single week was nuts. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the reason why I love your podcast so much. You recently had, um, and of course I'm not going to remember a name. It was really wonderful. You had, um, the girl that was traveling, she learned how to do day trading so she could just go and like travel all the time. Um, her, her idea was, why don't you earn enough doing something like, you know, easy trading? It doesn't have to be everything you do all day, but you can figure out systems and ways that you can earn a little money on the side. And maybe once you have, you know, your bases covered with that, then you get to have all the time to go do whatever you want. You can go serve people, you can volunteer, you can have your job, but not have it be this thing where you're forced to, you know, nine to five every single week for the rest of your life.
1: Exactly. And and uh, so our guest, her name was Terry Iojima. I, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm saying her name right. Cause we had to have her correct us quite a few times, but yeah, she was a phenomenal guest on our podcast. And, and I loved her approach to that as well, because I think I, I, you know, when we choose our guests, they, they align with our, our beliefs as well. And so that was something that I, I really resonated with. And I, um, having that threshold of where, you know, like everyone's comfort level. So whether it's, let's look at it from a a financial comfort level. If you know, you have to have a baseline of X every single month, just to make ends meet. We, we need to allow ourselves that like grace period, a little bit of that overflow where, okay, so we made our baseline. And if we made more, that's amazing. And so having that, that free time, that's what I, what she was saying is that if you've established your baseline, now, you know, that that's your comfort threshold level. And once you get there, then it frees up that time because you're not constantly grinding. And there is going to be a grind period in every, every business that we're in. Um, But getting to that place where you can pull back and say, Hey, you know what, this is my minimum. If I want to grind for more, but yet what is more? And if that's the constant chase of more, 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 is it enough? Is it enough? Is it enough? You're not going to see that threshold. You're going to be chasing that carrot and missing out on the fun and livelihood of life. Because even though the threshold's been met in our mind, it's not enough. We got that scarcity mindset still. So we're constantly chasing. So taking an overview of your, your business, your finances, and your objectives, and your goals, and looking and be like, oh my gosh, you know what? We We make enough every month. That's totally fine. And you know what? I'm going to take two days off this week because I can and I will. And giving yourself that permission, whatever you do in those two days and you know whether it's still sitting on your computer working, but maybe you're like writing a book a a podcast, whatever it might be that still brings joy to you, or it could be, you know, whatever your passions are. Maybe it's going to a sports game. Maybe it's taking your partner out on a date night or a date day, you know, just really looking at it to live life because we do have to find that balance where it cannot always, we cannot always be on, on work, on the grind, on, on edge all the time. We have to, we have to have balance and harmony on both.
0: Mm -hmm. That is such an important tip. I cannot encourage a listener to do that with your finances. That is something I resisted for years because I didn't want to, I didn't want to know, right? Like I didn't want to know where I was wasting my money. Um, and, and, you know, sitting down and gathering everything was going to take time and energy, and I didn't want to do that. And and the pandemic really forced us to to sit down and say, like, okay, we may be hunkered down for, like, a long time, and what how are we going to sort these things out, and what's our budget? And it really forced us to take a good, hard look at our finances. And I could not believe how low that number was for us personally, which, you know, I'm really grateful for. It, it, but, but, yeah, it, it does give you a better sense of, like, okay, I don't necessarily have to do you know, an unlimited amount of work to get what we need, you know, we can make this much and not have to cancel Netflix. And, and it was lower, it was a lower number than I thought. And I wish I had done that sooner, honestly. So I think that's a great tip. Um, talking a little bit about business, I want to talk about you starting your business and what kind of resistance you met as you were getting your business going.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, lots of resistance. The, <laughs> and I think it, you know, well, well there, there's kind of different, Positions here because I, I had, um, I left a corporate job after almost 10 years and it was a big risk. So again, when we talk about the, the trading time for money or money for time, either way you want to look at it. Um, and this is a perfect example. I was at a corporate, uh, job that almost 10 years, I worked myself all the way up to the top. I was, uh, I really couldn't go any further in the company unless I worked for their corporate headquarters and had to relocate and just, you know, give up my life. And I'm like, no, that's not really where I want to be. So I, um, I had an opportunity at the time for a startup online company, and they, there was no, no history, right? So here you are, giving up ten years, all your perks, you know, security, job security, your finances, your uh, all the benefits, right? Everything for someone's idea. And you're like, um, yeah, I'm not really sure if that's, you know, that's a big gamble. But to know when I, where I was in that place, I was so unfulfilled. It didn't matter how much you could pay me. How much you can offer me? I'll, you give me extra vacation times or whatever it is. I didn't want to ever return. I was so unfulfilled. So when I looked at this new opportunity and said, "Well, I know how to how to you know do do the work to get to wherever it needs to be." Like I'm very driven, and I said, "Well, I can just drive this one as fast as I drove the other company." And how can I get there? As quickly as possible. So even though I knew I was taking a substantial pay cut and I had zero benefits to go, but I said, I saw this as a potential to start fresh and to put in the work and the hours because it was, a uh, you know, early on in the company where it's like what you put in, you're going to get the reward out. And I, and I really like that idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, having to go from next to nothing on your pay to losing everything, but the, the plus side of it was I worked at home and had all the freedom and all the flexibility that I absolutely wanted, and so the pay cut was actually above my minimum of what we actually needed to just live. So, in in, in short, I felt like I got a raise and a promotion and all this freedom and opportunity. So that was uh, that was almost fifteen years ago, and since then uh, we ended up buying out those companies. Uh, you know, we so I have multiple multiple companies um, on the internet space, as well as, uh, my personal brands, which have been all kind of parts of like my, my purpose and my passions. So looking back at where I was and overcoming all those things, I said, wow, this would be like so selfish of me. If I held on to all these, all these good nuggets and takeaways and the, all the, all the cool stuff that have really helped me get to where I am, I want to help women do the same. And so that was really like the first inkling of, what I could do with my purpose, you know, and my passion. So I used then the the company to fuel into my passions. Um, and so now I have multiple businesses on that as well. And just, you know, really just helping women in every facet. So whether it's through, uh, you know, my, my, Coaching and the collective, the the Confident Woman Collective, whether it's through publishing my um, best selling book, Chasing Perfection, to having a, a top global podcast, to my I Am Athletics Apparel and Accessory line. All of those have really built, uh, you know, their extensions of me and pieces of my passions. But they all serve the same purpose: is to, uh, you know, empower women to become their best and most confident selves. But how we empower others, we have to first empower ourselves. So all of that is really about doing yourself the service so that you can be of service to others as well.
0: I love that. I have been astounded by how gracious and kind the entrepreneurial space has been people that are so more than willing to give advice or donate their time or they're doing things for the right reasons. It's just so validating to, to see that, you know, we don't know what the hell we're doing. We're we're failing at this every day. We're learning as we go. And it's just, it's really cool to hear, um, you know, the people that are in this space that got in it for the right reason, they're here to share, they're here to help others and, and they use what they gain for that purpose. I think that's really amazing. Um, we do have to ask you, um, you know, you've been at this, you know, the fitness thing for a long time, what kinds of, um, you know, fitness practices, nutrition practices, do you leverage to stay in top shape now?
1: So I practice everything I preach, and it's just really about again creating flexibility and freedom in your lifestyle. Um, so having to overcome a lot of those uh, beliefs and myths that are centered around diet. Um, I think for many of us, when we hear that word diet, we think of like suffocation and restriction and willpower and all the, all the words that say like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to throw on, you know, throw on the towel now. Cause it's not going to work. Um, but I practice the, the philosophy of flexible dieting where there are no foods off limits. I eat what I enjoy and I enjoy what I eat. So, you know, having those fear phobias and, um, you know, just all that stuff from way back when, I I'm very proud of myself to say that I have overcome the eating disorders. Um, And so I practiced the flexible dieting approach. And and again, the word dieting, don't let it turn you off. Dieting is just really about the consumption of food and beverages that we consume. That's all dieting is. And um, but anyway, so I, I practiced that. And so when I looked at it from that approach of like flexibility and freedom in a diet, what else could be possible flexibility and freedom in you know, training and life and business, whatever. So I've taken that same philosophy and just applied it to all areas of my life. But, you know, when we look at like health and fitness, that's uh, my top value because if I'm not at my best, I cannot serve the rest. Hands down, I have to be, you know, sound in mind, body and spirit where again, just physically conditioning my body, moving it each day, um, getting in my hydration, my uh, n- like nutrient dense meals, um, so I'll save in room again for my treats, my wine, whatever. I mean, I, I enjoy what I eat. And so that's really is something that I also help women do, um, again, inside the confident woman collective, all part of my, uh, signature program, the fit from within program as well. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I do everything that I, that I love. And that's the beauty of it is that I want women to do that too, and enjoy their life thoroughly from the inside out.
0: I love that. (laughs) That sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about the fit from within program and how people can find that program if they want to try it.
1: Yeah. So the Fit From Within program is actually one of the signature um, pillars within the Confident Woman Collective. And so the, the Confident Woman Collective really is a container that houses all the programs and coaching courses that I have to offer. But it's it's really cool because you get the community, you get the online support, you have access to other coaches and mentors as well, and uh, exclusive discounts to um, upcoming events or the I am athletics apparel line. So any of the products and services that I have, it's really cool. Cause you do get that, that VIP access and discounts, but you also get to learn, you get to grow, you get to be um, in proximity of, of, you know, women doing some incredible things and just to be a part of that journey with them. And so again, we know how, you know, having that support and proximity to people is so important in our lives and it's, you know, for the betterment, like we can't grow if we're, if we're around people that are pulling us down. So we need to surround ourselves with others that are just up leveling and uprising. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, the, when we rise together or as individuals, we rise together and that really is the whole collective. So your journey may be personal, but it's collective. So all all that good stuff. And so again, the Fit from Within program, we work on the mental, emotional, and spiritual well being and the physical. Again, you get to that's the byproduct, right? But your your body is the machine. It's the vessel that helps carry out your passions and purpose.
0: Mm, that sounds amazing. That sounds great. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Are you going to be working on any new programs in the future or is it more just putting out the podcast and being consistent with what has already been created?
1: Yeah. So there'll, there'll be more programs and more programs lie inside the confident woman collective. So again, it's kind of, it's meant to guide the woman through the journey of becoming their best and most confident selves, you know, like stepping into who they're created to be, which is that confident woman. Cause I really do truly believe that confidence lies within each and every one of us. And every one of us was destined for greatness, but we have to harness that and, and fully, you know, surrender what was so we could become what is, is possible. And that's up to you to define what it is that you want. And who you want to become. So that's why it's really cool that you'll you be in proximity of these women and all different walks of life and all different stories and all different wants, needs, and desires. But yet the core, the core, you know, collective of it is to become a better version. Um, you know, and so on that other side is to really become who you're created to be, and that is, you know, who who are you? I am enough. You're enough, no matter where you are at any stage of your life. So every woman, you know, I am. And you get to fill in that story. And that's, you know, our, our tagline for I am athletics is create your own story. You get to be whoever you want to be because who you believe you are is, is just the starting point because what is possible when you believe that you can.
0: I love that. That's so awesome. Rachel Brooks, (laughs) this has been such a fun conversation. If you had to distill down everything that we've talked about into one simple tip, I think I know what you're going to say, but what would that one tip be?
1: You have the power to create your own story. (laughs)
0: I <laughs> love it. love it. That's what I was hoping you would answer. Rachel Brooks, will you tell our audience one more time where they can go to find you and connect with you and your work?
1: Absolutely. So you can find me on all social media uh, platforms at I am Rachel Brooks, as well as my website, IamRachelBrooks.com. And so everything is there. Um, and of course, we have our free community online, which is the Confident Woman community on Facebook. But you can find that through any, any one of my platforms and channels as well. And so if you are listening and you want more information, please reach out to me because I absolutely love connecting with uh, everybody online. Like I I love DMs and just chatting and just being a part of, um, you know, just your life and just it, it fills mine. Like I really just connection is a big deal, right? Like, especially in this time, we need more of it. And I just, you know, knowing that you're not alone wherever you are in your journey. So let's connect.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. Especially in today's day and age connection is just so, so critical. You're absolutely right. Rachel Brooks, bestselling author of Chasing Refle- Perfection and host of the Confident Woman podcast. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Um, I'm a fairly regular listener to your podcast. Is that okay for a dude to listen to? Or are you going to like kick me out?
1: 100%. You know, our, <laughs> when, we, when we say it's for the confident woman, but it really, you know, it's not we're not just talking about just female things. And, uh, you know, we have many male listeners and we love it that, you know, we' our, our audience is expanding and our guests are just, you know, the the content that our guests have as well as what uh, my co-host and I put out is really for anyone just looking for, you know, improvement in their overall life, you know, have a better quality of life. And so we're listening to our, our audience and our listeners as well, we ask them, "What do you want to learn more of? What do you want to hear more of?" And so, a lot of how we choose our guests is based on a, on the the feedback and the messages we, we receive. So, again, that's why I love hearing from other people. Like, hit me up on the DM. Like, I want to know what you want, and we'll go out and make sure that we bring in a guest or we put out content. So, it's all about again service for others.
0: It's really well done. It's it's such a great show with a very kind of diverse. Crowd and I learn something every time, so I hope that the fit from within uh, like crew won't come hunt me down and make me not listen anymore. <laughs>
1: Absolutely not, and the more the merrier. And we just love spreading and sharing the message. So thank you for listening as well.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We just really love and appreciate your content and everything that you're sharing with the world. Um, the confidence message is so awesome and so important right now. So Rachel Brooks, thank you again for appearing on our show, Boundless Body Radio today. Thank you. Absolutely. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.